The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter. People were bringing little children to Jesus in order that he might touch them, and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not enter the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I invite you to be seated. You remember being little? I remember being little. I remember being a child in an adult world. I remember that my parents would hold these card parties and invite all their friends to come over and my mother would spend the day coming up with goodies and little dishes of nuts and, and cheeses and crackers and all the spread and set it out in preparation for the friend's arrival, and I would walk around all day with my nose, of course, table height, peering at all the goodies, and I would want to take them, and she'd say, no, no, those are for the grown-ups, dear. I remember going to, we they, they used to have something called Rainbow Girls. I actually grew up to be one for a while, but it was sort of like Eastern Star, but for younger people. And my grandmother took me to one of these meetings, and they would always have the longest meeting, and I couldn't go into the meeting, because I wasn't part of the secret society and didn't know the secret knock and the password. So I'd have to sit out alone for hours in this, like, barren auditorium space waiting for them to come out of the meeting. And the whole time, there was this long table set with linen tablecloths and cakes and pastries and pettit fours and just all sorts of wonderful uh, candies and punch sitting there. And I was starving and I would be staring at it. And they would come out of the meeting and I would ask my grandmother, Grandma, could I have a cookie? And she would say, no, dear, that's for the young ladies. When they're done, if there's any left, you can have some. And I would think, I could have stolen it all. <laughs> I remember going to visit my grandparents' church in the coffee fellowship times and standing there at my grandmother's skirts and needing permission to do something, you know, run to the restroom or get a drink of water and tugging and tugging and tugging on her skirt and her shushing me because she was in conversation and you had to wait for the grown-ups to finish. But you could be 117 before the grown-ups would get done. I remember going to my church and it was not it was not a church that allowed young children, you know, five years old to take communion or anything. And going up to the communion table and the rail, and I would get a blessing, and I would watch all the other people receiving communion, and I wanted to have communion and being told, no, you're not old enough yet, dear. I remember being little. <laughs> I remember feeling like, okay, everything in the world was for the grown-ups. 
And I just had to kind of stay in the shadows. And then I went to a Sunday school class, which we did every week. And they told us a Bible story lesson. And a lot of the Bible stories we tell children, uh, some of them are kind of horrific. A lot of them I just thought were a lot of fluff, like where, you know, Jesus is the shepherd and they would give us a picture of Jesus with a sheep and then cotton balls and we'd spend the time gluing the cotton balls onto the sheep. And then we'd go home and I would always kind of just think, wow. But this time they told this lesson. They told us the story where Jesus was out one day teaching and the disciples were with him the important grown-ups who were running the church. You know, they're always busy, right? With programs and meetings and parties and things to organize and things to set up. Busy, important people. Jesus was with them. And all of these other people started coming to Jesus and they were bringing their children. And in the Gospel of Luke, it even says some infants. They were even bringing their babies to him. And when the disciples saw that these people were bringing their children and their infants to Jesus, well, they were really harsh with them and scolded them and chastised them and tried to shoo them away. And when Jesus saw the disciples doing this, he got really upset. That's what the Bible story said. Jesus was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come unto me and do not prevent them, for to such as these belong the kingdom of God. Jesus saying, these are kingdom people. And he took the children in his arms and on, you know, on the pictures, always takes Jesus, takes them onto his lap. He puts their arms around them and he blesses them. And that story struck me as a very true story of life. Being prevented, being held back. But in that moment, no. Jesus wants the children, wants me. I'm invited to climb up on Jesus' lap that Jesus might bless me. The disciples are like we are. <laughs> They're trying to build a movement. There's a lot of work to be done. People didn't think children were gonna be very valuable to the work. Why? I said some of this last week. You know, what are the children going to do to help us? What we need are some good, young, able-bodied, healthy people. We need a lot of them if we're going to get stuff done, right? We need the grown-ups. But we need the younger grown-ups. How many times have people told me that? Pastor, we need more young people in church. We need children, but what you're really thinking is we need their parents. Children need care. Children have to be protected. Children don't have a lot of money that they can give to the effort. Children can't drive. It's a problem. Children can't set up the tables. They can't cook the meals. Children don't climb ladders and change light bulbs in sanctuaries. Children don't teach the classes. They don't lead the programs. Children do not pay the bills. What we need are people who can do all of that. 
So it's no wonder the disciples said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, he's busy, folks. We can't have you bringing all these children and babies up here for him to bless. You know, <laughs> let the children wait. We need to deal with the important stuff, the important people in life. But when we're children, Jesus says, we're kingdom people. Children, Jesus says, are in. Children are so welcome and blessed because children, see, can't earn it. Can't deserve it. Can't convince themselves that they made the kingdom happen. Didn't have a ticket to get in. Jesus says, Children are the kingdom people. The kingdom of God belongs to the children. If you want to get into the kingdom of heaven, you have to enter it the way children enter it, which is how? By God's pure love and grace. Before you've done anything. Before you deserve anything. Before you accomplish anything. Before you lead anything, teach anything, drive anywhere, buy anything. By God's love and grace, you are embraced. When we're children, we can't wait to grow up. I couldn't wait to be a grown-up and get all the snacks first. <laughs> to get the first cake and the first punch, I thought, man, it's going to be good. To be able to decide what I was going to do and when I was going to do it and where I was going to go and not have to ask permission and not have to wait for grown-ups to finish a conversation before I could get in on the subject. And then I grew up. And then I was all about achievement, right? Have to get degrees, want to get those jobs, want to move up in your job, want to be seen as accomplished and as, as uh, somebody who produces for society and is, and is worthy of respect and somebody who can get things done. And I started getting involved in the church as a grown-up, you know, and I taught Sunday school and I became the flower chairman for a while. And I um, got on the altar guild and I did, was, led the youth group and did all these wonderful things. And I set up tables and took down chairs and all the stuff that we do as adults. And I felt like accomplished, important, I was contributing. But the problem is we get a little full of ourselves and we start to ask silly questions of faith. Sometimes we get so busy with being accomplished and being important and with doing programs and doing things and making stuff happen in the world that we stop savoring. We stop just showing up to God to be held and blessed. Jesus said, if you want to be part of the kingdom of God, you have to enter it like these little children. He didn't say we had to be childish. He didn't say we couldn't grow up and be adults, but he said as adults, we need to enter it like children. That means not on our own merits. We need to be able to pause and savor life and the world and the goodness around us and the beauty of creation and God's presence in our lives the way a child sees and savors that. You don't have to be a child to feel unimportant or invisible. 
How many times do people tell me, I used to be really important in the church, Pastor. I used to do this and this and this, and I was in this group and I was in that group, and, but now I can't do anything. I can't drive. Heck, some mornings it's hard just to get out of bed and get dressed. I can't help you with the tables and the chairs. You know, people are telling me they're feeling kind of worthless, forgotten. They get stuck in their apartments and houses and senior communities and cut off. And we, as the church, look like we're being just busy, 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 busy. And they're saying, how do I connect? Where's my part? We aren't valuable because of what we do for the kingdom of God. We're valuable because we are a child of God. We're valuable because Jesus looks at us and says, these, these are valuable. Let them come to me. Don't stop them or hinder them. I want to embrace them because to these belong the kingdom of God. It's interesting. As adults, we're busy, we're accomplished, we're all these things. I was in seminary and my son was born and he was just a baby. He was like the mascot for my classes. I had to, have to take him to class, pray he didn't cry too much. And then I found a woman who had never had children. She, was, uh, she and her husband were refugees from El Salvador. And he was a classmate of mine. And the seminary, the ELCA was paying his way through seminary as a refugee. And, uh, and he and his wife had never been able to have children. And she was, an elder, she was an older woman. And I asked her to babysit for my son. Now, she didn't speak any English, and I didn't speak any Spanish, except like C, you know. Yeah. That, um, and I could say burrito. You know, so she and I would act things out, and I learned a few Spanish words, and she learned a few English words, and we just made do. But what we didn't need translating was her love, her abundant love for children. And she was a grandmother to my son when he was one and two and three, when his grandparents weren't right there with him. And what Maria would do is she would take him every morning on walkabouts. She would come to the apartment and collect him, and, and I never knew where they were going to go or what they were going to do, but they would just go explore the world. And she would take him by the hand, and they would walk the neighborhood, and they would go visit all these neighbors. And this is the south side of Chicago. But she would take him to the homes of all the Latino people in the neighborhood, and some of his first words were Spanish. <laughs> and he could act out the Hispanic uh, soap operas for you. And they, all the ladies loved that. And they would go around and marvel at dandelions growing along sidewalks and at roly-polies and ants carrying crumbs across the pavement. And they would go down and find little ponds and places where there were tadpoles, 
and they would splash in puddles after it rained and get their feet muddy and wet. And they played in the snow together. And every afternoon, she made sure there was time for stories and siestas. And he learned to savor God, to love God's world, to receive the love of neighbor, to extend love to the stranger through all of that. She would have said, I'm not important. There's nothing I can do. I don't have an education. I don't speak English. I can't drive. I'm older. But she did so much. I went to visit Miriam Polly the other day. Miriam has not been in church now, well, at least in two years, maybe a little bit longer. She moved recently. She's now living at an apartment out on 119th Street near um, at Lowell, I think, in 119th. And I went to visit her, and she hasn't changed a bit. I don't know how she stays young, but she does. And we had the most wonderful conversation, and she's just the same gentle, sweet, smiling spirit she's always been, and so full of grace and love. And she said, you know, I miss church. And she said, and you know, I can't do Zoom, and I don't have the Wi-Fi and the computer, and I just can't do Zoom. And uh, she says, I miss the book club. Are they meeting? What are they reading? I would like to go. I just, I don't drive. I can't do much. And then I asked her about her grandchildren. She used to bring Audrey and Olivia to church all the time. And we watched these great-grandchildren actually growing up. And we baptized Audrey, and we baptized another one, a baby in the family. Well, a little Olivia asked Miriam the other day, because they still, she talks to them about her faith, and they pray together, and she tells them Bible stories and whatnot, even though she can't take them to church. So she was talking to Olivia, and Olivia said, Grandma, how come everybody else in the family is baptized except me? And Miriam said, well, you can be baptized. <laughs> you can be baptized, too. And Olivia says, I want to be baptized. And then she said, Grandma, what is baptized? What happens? What does it mean? And Miriam had talked to me on the phone recently, and she had said, you know, I'm trying to explain this to her. And she's, you know, she's still young. And she said, and it's hard. And she said, I don't have any books. Do you have anything I could use, you know, to help her understand? And I said, I'm going to mail you some things. And you all can read them together and talk about them. So she, I asked her, did you get those? And she said, I did. And they're wonderful. They're perfect. They're really going to help a lot. What does it mean to be baptized? That's how Olivia says it. It's so simple. To be baptized means to say, I am a child of God. God has claimed me. God has named me beloved. God has called me to be part of the family. God has embraced me and blessed me, not because I deserved it or earned it, but just because God loves me and seeks me out, right? I am God's beloved child. My life does not belong to me. It belongs to God. Whatever I achieve is not for myself. It is for God. 
Most of all, God calls me to be loved, to love, and to savor the life that I have been given, to live it well, to relish it, not to hold on too tight, to trust, to be blessed, to let God reach out and touch us, to heal us, to claim us, to make us whole. Jesus said, it's so easy, really, you know, don't get so caught up in all the stuff that has to be done. Don't worry so much about what you can do. He said, because, you know, look at these children, this baby. To such as these belong the kingdom of God. Amen.